Amen. We're about to get into the word. Uh, look at your neighbor. That's the person sitting next to you, right? Why do we always say that neighbor? Um, look at the person next to you and say, are you ready? Come on. You got a couple seconds. Look at somebody and say, are you ready for what God is going to do? Come on. We're about to continue uh, in our sermon series today. But before we preach, man, I just want to talk about worship. How, like, how important is worship uh, when we enter? Oh, thank you so much. You guys are the best. Um, when we enter God's presence, when we enter God's house, come on, we enter giving praise and worship to God. That's how we enter. That's the only way we know to enter is to come in with our mouths open and to lift our hands and to just sing songs. You know what you're doing. What you're doing that moment, you're killing idols. You're killing things that you worship. And what you're doing is you're putting God back in his place. That like what you and I do when we're worshiping, we're not just doing like a Christian karaoke. We're literally blessing the name of the Lord. We are touching and agreeing. We are calling on Jesus. And listen, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. How many of you guys believe that the, the living spirit of God is in us? That's, that's Jesus, what he, what he wanted to do. So as we worship, the spirit in me is also the spirit in you. So there's kind of like this united spirit in the room. And what, what happens is there's verses that say in the presence of God, you'll find peace. You'll find healing. You'll find, you'll find a new breath in your lungs. I pray that as you leave this place, that you got wind behind your back. That's the Holy Spirit behind you. Leave you but friends you and I miss out when we think we got to come to church to get something I think that was just for my sister in the front thank you I know you got a mask on you, you guys are still allowed to talk tonight come on can someone shout amen this morning I feel like I'm in a different church when you leave this room God is behind you but when you come in it's not that you have to sing songs so that he can come down when you walk in he walks in with you his presence is everywhere, and you and I, we get robbed of church when we think we come to receive. You got it all wrong, baby girl. You came here to lift up the name of Jesus. You came here to give of your finances. You came here to give and sacrifice and to lift up Jesus. If you come in to just receive, you'll probably be bored in church probably, probably really soon. You'll get bored. Because the enemy wants you to think that you're just going to sit down as buffet style and, and everything's going to just be fed to you. Fed, 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 feed me, feed me. When God's like, hey, I'm actually, I'm actually giving you my presence. Let's call on the name of the Lord and bless the name of the Lord and put Jesus back on his throne. If anyone here spiritually, they're struggling with putting God first, I promise you, you got to start, you got to start with your worship. If anybody in this room is struggling with putting God first in their life, I promise you start with your worship. Because what happens is as you do, things begin to happen in your mind. It's, it's like habits and patterns. As we do, we carve out patterns in our minds. It really takes 30 days to build a habit. Who knows that? So, man, what if you take 30 days to worship the Lord every morning? What if you take every week, every day of your life, just begin to bless the name of the Lord? What happens is you'll have less anxiety. You'll have less fear. You're more likely to evangelize the people after coming, not a moment of looking at social media, but at a moment of worship, at a moment of uplifting Jesus, you'll then walk out in his will. This isn't even the message, but it kind of is about worship. Man, I want to talk about worship because sometimes we think we got to lift our hands until we feel it in the song to lift our hands. No, no, no. I don't come here to feel something. I come here to lift up Jesus. It's my duty. It's my worship. You guys know you were designed to love Jesus. You guys know that. 
When God designed you, he designed you to be instruments of praise and worship. Thank you to our worship team. You guys are doing three services every Sunday. Make some noise for your worship team. Come on, they're awesome. Amen. We're about to continue into our service. Uh, last week we spoke on Hello, My Name Is. It's a sermon series we're doing to kind of talk about some people in the Bible that typically preachers don't talk about, churches don't talk about. We kind of overlook them. And, and what we're doing is we're kind of looking at these people, pulling out some values, looking at their life, pulling out some truth. Last week we talked about Onan and and his destructive ways and, and how he was not obedient to his father uh, in the multiplication of his family. And tonight, today, sorry, I'm so used to night services. Shout out to the young adults. Um, to, today, we're going to be looking at Jehoshaphat. And um, I'm going to come up with a nickname because I'm not going to say his name that much. Because um, I just laugh, laugh at myself when I say his name. Um, you guys know those Bible names, right? They could just be so crazy. Like, hit the hood should have what? Say somebody's name three times, you think you're speaking in tongues. Um, so, man, I'm excited to continue this sermon series. Uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Gabby. How many of you guys love the OG of the house, PG, lead pastor? He's at our Pointiana campus. He'll be jumping in for the third, uh, uh, the 1 p.m. service. Uh, before we do anything, let's pray. Can we do that? Before we preach uh, God's word tonight, today, um, let's just pray that the seeds that are thrown falls into good soil. Uh, how many of you guys believe your heart is soil? It's soil. And, and a lot of people have been putting a lot of different things into your heart. But we pray that our hearts are right and ready for the word of God this morning. Come on, let's pray. God, we love you. We gathered in this room. We lift up songs. We lift up praises to you. We put you back on your throne. We realigned our priorities. You, you're first, God. You're first. And that's why we sing. Even when we don't feel like it, we sing. Even, when, even if we don't really feel like lifting our hands, we lift our hands, God, because we are aware of your power, of your glory, of who you are. You love us, and you've designed us to be instruments of love. We love you so much. I pray you speak in today's message. I pray you speak to our hearts, to our minds, to our souls. God, that we may leave better than how we walked in. I pray that we find rest in this room in your mighty name. And everyone shouts, amen. Hello, my name is Jehoshaphat. Um, you guys want to throw out some cool nicknames? If, if your name was Jehoshaphat, what, what, would, what would be, like, JJ? Hoshi? That's pretty cool. What's some nickname? Anybody come up with a nickname we can just give them? This is the interaction part. So anybody got nicknames? Fat? What if they called you fat? You know, it's like, that's not cool. <laughs> Any other nicknames? Je Those are harder. Okay, let's go J-Ho. Is that cool? J-Ho? Is that like Slumdog Millionaire? Hi-ho. Uh, all right. We didn't get a nickname. Shaf. I like Shaf. Right? You're taking S-H-A-P-A. Shaf. I like that. Give it up for the lady in the front. Come on. She came up with that. Thank you. That's why you got to come to church. God uses you to preach the word too. Come on, somebody. Hey, y'all. Y'all don't know where y'all walked. Y'all walked into a Pentecostal church today. So if you feel like saying amen, you can shout amen. I'm not intimidated. I was born in the Bronx, raised down here in the South. So screaming in church is like normal. So if you hear anything good, you shout amen, and we're going to keep rocking tonight. I preach a little bit better when we're all together. Somebody say, Shaf. Hello, my name is Jehoshaphat, a.k.a. Shaf. 
We're preaching on his life. You see, this man, Shaf, uh, he's an OG OG. Um, I mean, this guy is like one of the biggest dudes in, 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 in like the area of his time. What's going on is actually, is actually he's, he's called to be a ruler. He's called to be a king of the people of Judah. So this dude is like the tip of the spear when it comes to God's leadership and God's command. Um, let's read a verse just to kind of open up and give a little bit of context what's going on. Joel 3, 2. We're reading Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, but Joel 3, 2 kind of gives us a little bit of an introduction. I will gather all the nations. This is God speaking. I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Shaf. Oh, what a good nickname. And I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people and my heritage, Israel, because they have scattered here among the nations. They have divided my land. So Shaf, he's actually the fourth king of Judah. The fourth king. So he didn't just end up the first. He ended up being the fourth king of Judah. He actually became uh, one of the people's and country's most successful rulers for one simple reason. They, they deemed him successful. God came behind him. And we're going to read an amazing victory in this ruler's life. But what happens is you cannot... You cannot just say things that God blesses is because people got lucky. Things that God puts his hand on is just because people woke up one day and God just ended up doing it. No, Shaft actually has a life of obedience and faithfulness to Jesus. And then God began to do something great in his life. I had a young adult ask me, so is Jesus coming back this year? Because this is the craziest year in human history. Is Jesus coming back? And I'm like, that's a bad question. You want to know how that's a bad question? Because Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. Any Christians, you guys know that, right? You guys, anybody read the Bible? Not even the Son of Man knows when he will return. Only God the Father knows. So God the Father is looking at new birth in 2020, and he's waiting for you to evangelize the people before he sends his son. He's waiting for you to send this video stream out to some family members you know aren't saved just before he sends his son. He's waiting for you to multiply and take this fire of Jesus, not to just keep it for yourself. Oh, no, that's too selfish. But you're taking this good news. You're taking this gospel and you're moving it to your, your spheres of influence, to the people you know. And then when God sees it a right time, he's going to say, yo, Jay, yo, yo, Jesus, go get him. Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. It's so funny when I hear religious leaders and people try to predict and come up with like a, a, a Morse code, a Da Vinci code of when Jesus is coming back. I laugh at that. Because how do you know and Jesus don't even know? So I told this young adult, man, Jesus coming, when is he coming back? That's a bad question. You know, what's a good, you know what's a good question? Are you faithful to Jesus right now? See, the question is when is Jesus coming back? If, if, like, if God had like a Da Vinci code date, for when he's coming back somewhere in the book of Numbers, you see what I did there? Then, then you know what people would do? You know what they do? They go, okay, so if it's December 31st that Jesus is coming back, I'm going to go buck wild crazy all November. I'm going to act like I don't know Jesus. It's just party and party and party and party. And then right before Jesus comes back, I'm going to just try to get right. But Jesus said, look, I don't even know when I'm coming back. Are you faithful? Where's your heart at? Are you faithful? Where's your heart at? And we look at Shaf, and Shaf's life is just a life of obedience and faithfulness to God. I don't know about you. I'd rather be known by God and rejected by the world than to be accepted by the world but rejected by God. I'd rather live a life of faithfulness and obedience than to have a life of fame and fortune and lose my soul. 
Can I remind you, church, this life is so fickle. 260,000 Americans probably didn't plan on dying this year, but they died because of COVID. People who really didn't think this year was the year they were going to go out, right? Some of us in here have family members that have passed. I'm telling friends, this body is a vehicle to heaven. This body, this flesh, you're pretty, I promise you're pretty. But God's got a new face. He's got an elevated body. He's got a, a whole. See, what, what is the current times compared to eternity? It's not even close. So I'd rather be faithful now and obedient to God now than to just go through life on a whim. Just go through life. Eventually, I'll, I'll serve the church. What? You have the Holy Spirit. You have an amazing church. I love my church, by the way. I might be biased because we help plan it, but. It's the best thing I've ever seen. And you're waiting to get involved? You're waiting for a sign from God? This is the sign from God. Get involved. Because <laughs> he's coming back soon. And, and we got to be the church in today more than ever. Anybody believe that? We got to be the church in 2020 now more than ever. God didn't call you to be a Christian in the, in the 2000s. I'm sorry, the 200s. God didn't call you to be a Christian in the 1920s. He didn't call you to be a Christian in the Great Depression. God called you to be a Christian right here in 2020 in the middle of the craziest year. So will you and I shy back or will we step up in obedience and faith? When I look at Shaf, I really see what God is doing in his life according to his obedience. At age 35, Shaf actually succeeded his father and he became the king of Judah. At age 35, he came, he came under his pops and he came under his leadership and he began to lead these people. See, here's what Shaft did. Once Jehoshaphat came into leadership, he immediately began to abolish the idol worship that had consumed the land. In other words, people worship Yeshua, right? The God of the Bible, the one true king. They worshiped him, but they also worshiped some other idols. They also worshiped some other, some other things. And, and when Shaf is put into leadership, he goes, uh-uh, all those idols are coming down. If you were not, you see, if you've been a Christian longer than five seconds, you know, as much as we give attention and, and build up God's house and, and, and worship him, sometimes the enemy can begin to place some idols in our life. Idols of success. Maybe your job is your idol. Oh man, see, if I, if I didn't have this job, I don't know who, what I'd be. And 2020 showed you what you'd be. Oh, I maybe your idol is your health. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just <laughs> sick what? <laughs> and sickness touched your home this year. If that was your idol, God humbled it. Oh, it's your money. It's your finances. Okay, this year, God humbled it. If, if your idol was the stock market, <laughs> we're praying for you. Because God humbled that idol real quick. If your idol was, was, was just whatever it is. See, friends, if we're, can, we, can we keep it real at 11.30 in the morning? <laughs> Sometimes you and I, we, we're really good at worshiping God and really good at building up some small idols. Success, money, your job. And God is so into humbling things that we rise up. He humbles them. And that's what Shaft does when he immediately takes over this land. He's like, hey, y'all, so we're going to get the order right. It's not God and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's only God, only him. He deserves all our worship. 
Those idols that have ears but they cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear. Eyes they can't see. They have lips but they can't speak. They have hands but they can't touch. Some of you guys put your marriage as an idol. Your marriage becomes your idol. Your spouse becomes your idol. And then you notice that they're human and God begins to humble you. Whatever it is, be reminded today that only Jesus deserves the throne of your heart. Only Jesus deserves the throne of your heart. And I love how Shaft says, hey, I'm in charge now. Um, we're going to destroy all idols and just worship the one true king. Shaft, literally, he drives out cult prostitutes. He drives out all these different false worship gods. And he begins to solidify the, the land's worship to God. What also Shaft does is he begins to send prophets and priests and Levites throughout the country to teach God's law. So in other words, we're not just going to eliminate an idol. We're going to replace that position with the teaching and understanding of God's word. So friends, what does that mean? It's not only about elimination. It's also about replacement. I can't tell you how many young adults come up to me, Pastor John, Pastor John, uh, on, you know, Tuesday nights or whatever, because, you know, we lead young adults, and they come, say, okay, look, I stopped doing this. Now what? It's not only about elimination. It's also about replacement. And I love how Shaft doesn't say, hey, let's eliminate all the idols. He goes, let's also teach the word of God. Let's teach the amazing, true word of God that cuts going in, it cuts coming out. It's a double-edged sword. It'll show you how to live, how to talk, how to walk, how to be like Jesus. It's not only about elimination. It's also about replacement. So he begins to solidify their devotion to God. God looked with favor on Jehoshaphat, a.k.a. Shaft. God began to strengthen his kingdom. God is looking at a man that is saying, God, my land is yours. To the men in this house, how are you praying for your family? God, my family belongs to you. Women in the house, come on, praying women. I'm up on this platform today because my mom is a prayer warrior, my grandma's a prayer warrior, and I'm an answered prayer. Anybody else answered prayers in this room? Anybody else? God makes way for that, and God literally designs this for that same reason. So Shaf, he's eliminating idols. He's lifting up the priests and the Levites, and they're going out and they're teaching God's word. And then Shaf comes against some enemies. What does this teach me automatically, friends? When you say yes to Jesus and you become a part of this family, it's not that you'll never have a fight. It's not that you'll never have an argument. It's not that you'll never have pressure. It's not that once you say yes to Jesus, it's all dandelions and it's all green pastures. No, it's, it's, it's great. It's mountaintops, but we know that it's also some valley lows. We know, come on, we're not too naive. We know that following Jesus is not that everything's eliminated. So for some of y'all, your story is I said yes to Jesus and everything got a bit harder. And Shaft, King Shaft, what he's doing, he's actually doing the right things and God still allows some enemies to come alongside him and against his land. But notice this, that with every fight and battle that God allowed, he also allowed his people to hear his instruction. With every fight and battle that God allowed to happen to his people, he also gave the ability to hear what he's saying throughout this battle. And can I tell you, friends, in the battles in your life, yeah, your friends are great, and it's good to get some perspective and some community in the fights that you're in. But do not make a friend, a friend's voice more important than God's voice. 
I'm telling you, there's some crazy things going on in your life. I get it. I understand. It's wild. But let's not go to social media to find answers before we go to Jesus. And yes, God allows battles, but let's also go to him to hear how we ought to handle it and how we ought to walk this thing out. And I love Shaft's response. Let's read 2 Chronicles chapter 20, a bit of some scripture. You don't have the, the verses. I got a big Bible behind me here. It says 2 Chronicles chapter 20. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Munites. What, what do we say about these Bible names, right? That's why we changed his name to Shaft. He came to wage war against Shaft. Three armies came to wage war against God's obedient and faithful leader. You see what's happening. That just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean there's no more opposition. When you follow Jesus, that makes you a target. That's why the Bible says to put on the full armor of God. To get ready. Verse 2, some people came and they told Shaph, Yo, Shaph, a vast army is coming against you. From Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Haziz and Tamar. That is in Gedi. Verse 3, you guys with me? Alarmed. So he shook. Shaph resolved to inquire of the Lord. So Shaph hears from, from these people, hey, three armies are coming against you. They're already on their way. Alarmed, he immediately goes to his father. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. So he goes to God and then he comes up with something to do. My entire people, my entire nation, we're going we're gonna to begin to fast. You guys know what fasting is sacrificing. Fasting food. You see, nowadays we fast social media. We fast. We fast like different ways. We fast TV. I mean, like shout out to like the real fasting, right? Like fasting food, like, like going starving, like going hungry. <laughs> you know, that's like next level fasting right there. It's crazy because the youth, we do social media and they go nuts. I mean, they're like, what? No social media for a week. And what's happening here is that Judah's like, yo, we're going to fast. Actually, everyone's going to fast. So there's an issue coming. We are going to inquire the Lord, but we're also going to fast. What a response. Some of you guys in here are like, that's such a spiritual response, isn't it? Isn't it the right response though? You see, when you and I, we get into trouble, we get into trials, sometimes we try not to do the spiritual thing. We try to do the real thing, the real life thing. Can I tell you, being obedient to God and faithful to him, is probably the realest thing you could do, especially in this season. The realest thing you could do is inquire God in your problems and, and, and have an action to seek the Lord. Verse 4, the people of Judah, they came together to seek help from the Father. Oh, you see the image. Tribes are coming together. Families are coming together to seek the Lord. Oh, what an amazing environment. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Verse 5. Then Shaph stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. Hello. Shout out to the new courtyard. We're going to be walking in this year. Verse 6. And he said, the Lord, the God of our ancestors. Oh, this is such a beautiful prayer. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? Notice when he's in trial, when he's coming into war, he doesn't remind God who he is. He reminds himself of who God is. God is on the throne. He is in heaven. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God did not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. Verse 8, they have lived in it 
They have built it in a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in the presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. Verse 10, but now hear our men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away, so they turned away from them and they did not destroy them. Verse 11, see how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us. You see how these people, they fled when you stepped us into here, God, but now they're coming back and they're coming back mad, not only at us, but mad at our God. Friends, when people come at you, it's not just because you look pretty. It's not just because you're successful. People are coming at you because they're coming at the father. A great way to offend my dad is to come at his kids, but watch out. And sometimes you think that the the trials in your life, are, it's because everything you're doing wrong. No, it's also because people are trying to get at your God. A great way to attack a father is to come at his children. And, and God has prepared you for it, though. He has instruction on how we ought to handle and walk in these battles. Verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 2020 was a year of vision, wasn't it? Not seeing how things were going to break out, but seeing God in the realest and truest way we can ever have imagined. We don't know what's going down, God. We don't know where to look, but we look to you. Our eyes are on you. That reminds me when a regular man, disciple, is walking on water. He begins to see the waves and the winds and his feet begin to sink. But once he had vision and caught eyes with Jesus, his feet stood on water as if it was solid ground. Friends, this is a message here to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. If you've been saved 30 years, uh, sometimes you go wander away from the cross. Get your eyes back gospel is not for people who are new in Jesus. The gospel is for you and me every single day of our lives. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones, let's go, they stood there before the Lord. Verse 14, this is when God allows prophecy to happen. This is when people are gathered together in one place and one accord, lifting up Jesus in the midst of trials, in the midst of a war that's about to break out. God begins to call on a man. God begins to send his spirit and give him a word to say. Notice how God reacts to our reaction. This is an amazing portion of scripture. Verse 14, then the spirit of the Lord came. On Jehazel, he's the son of Zechariah, who's actually the son of Benaiah, who's actually the son of Jew, who's actually the son of Madaniah, a Levite and a descendant of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly, verse 15. He said, filled with the Holy Spirit right here. This is a prophetic word coming over him. This is what he says. He says, listen, King Shaph and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. He probably had to stand up, right? Because everyone's there in the assembly. So now one man is speaking in under the influence and the word of the Holy Spirit. This is what the word of the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Here comes the instruction. Verse 16, tomorrow march down against them. 
They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. So God already knows where they're going to head. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. But take up your positions. Stand firm. And see the deliverance that the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Get out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Verse 18. So Shaph, right there, hearing the word of the Lord, looking at everybody going on. They're all praising. They're all fasting. What an amazing environment. He hears the word of the Lord. Look what he did. He bows down with his face to the ground. I, I hear this, and I get convicted. When was the last time I fell face forward in the presence of Jesus? That's for someone somewhere. He fell down and worship before the Lord. Verse 19. Then some Levites from the Kohatites and the Kohahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Why do they scream in church so much? This is how we do it, y'all. <laughs> like, we, we go in, you know, like loud voices, like giving it all to God. Amen? Welcome to New Birth. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Shaph stood up and he said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Shaph appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. At the head of the army, these people were literally told by Shaph, King Shaph, to go sing Worship, be loud, scream, worship, call in the name of Jesus at the head, at the head of the army. Saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. You know how dangerous it is to be in the front of a battle? And Shaft didn't give him a sword, he gave him a microphone. I, see, if I was one of the worshipers, I'd be like, you crazy. I don't mind singing behind the soldiers because if anything, people start dying, the singers don't go out first. But you're going to put me in the front? You guys know King David. He's, uh, he's actually at the house. He's supposed to be out in battle. He ends up seeing a woman bathing and then they have a relationship. Her husband is actually a warrior and what King David does to get this man killed, he puts him in the front of the army. Friends, what's happening in, in this century is that those who are in the front, it's kind of like chess, those are the pawns, they go out first. Those aren't the strongest men. Those aren't the most strategic men. They're not the biggest. You don't start strong, you end strong. And King Shaft is like, hold up. We're going to put the worshipers in the front. So instead of grabbing a sword, all they got is their worship. All they got and instructed to do is to stand up, be obedient, and praise the living God. What a weird tactic. Verse 22, as they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. So God began to set some ambushes and I love how the Bible is not detailed on how these things happen because that's how God works, right? It's just bigger and higher than our understanding most of the time. Verse 23, the Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. 
So now enemies are fighting themselves. Verse 24, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, when they came to the place that overlooks the battlefield, they looked toward the vast army. They looked toward their enemy, and they only saw dead bodies laying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men, they went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment, clothing, and articles of value, more than they could even take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. The fruit of obedience. Verse 26, on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Berakah, and where they praised the Lord. This is why it's called the valley of Berakah to this day. Verse 27, then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men and, and, and all of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully. They left a war with worship and they came back with so much gear, equipment and goods and they came back joyfully. They didn't even come back breaking a sweat. They came back from war joy, joyfully to Jerusalem for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. Verse 28. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps, lures, and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. It's not crisis that destroys men. It's how you handle crisis that destroys you. It's not the fact that you're in a battle that destroys you is how you handle the battles. And you and I, we do not respond to the tensions and pressures of life the way the world responds. If you read Jesus' life and his ministry, I mean, Sermon on the Mount is probably his most famous sermons ever. Somewhere along the beginning, he tells him, hey, if someone hits you, turn the other cheek. He is coming against the rules and systems of this world that is so natural and flesh-like to just answer with revenge, to just answer with pain, to just fight these things. But God's like, no, in me, all you must do is listen, obey, stand up, be strong, and literally put me first, and I will fight your battles. How do you respond when your back's against the wall? How do you respond? Are you and I going to look like Shaft and say, God, I think my family's got to go on a fast. I think we've got to start seeking and, and, and praising the Lord like never before. Because I do not fight this like regular people fight this. I actually fight with praise and worship to God, putting him number one in my life. I love how he calls everyone to prayer. Isn't that funny? Like Jehoshaphat did something that by human standards would make no sense. He called them to fast. He asked the people in Jerusalem to meet for a prayer meeting. That's crazy by all human standards. Common sense says don't waste time. There's no time to pray. They're on their way right now. Sharpen the swords. Sharpen the spears. Get the shields. Call the chariots. But King Shaft literally says, let's all put down our spears. Let's put down our weapons and let's lift up a praise and worship to God. If that can be your response right now, can you just lift a praise to God in the room? Come on, I know I've been talking a little while, but can you just lift a voice and shout a praise in this place? Come on, are we in a church? Where are we today? Come on, lift up a shout of praise. This is how we respond. This is how we do it. 
I love the faith in his prayer. Second Chronicles verse 6, power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. He's praying not only in fear of the enemy, but mostly in fear of God. And honor and reverence to God. So God's like, I have this battle in my hands, but you still need to be a part of it. It's not that when you and I, friends, don't take this message saying, oh my God, every trial, I'm just going to hit cruise control because God's going to fight my battles. Yeah, he's going to fight them, but he needs you a part of it. Like he, he needs you to be a part of it. He needs you because here's what happens. If you and I don't grow, if you and I don't do things the way God wants them to do it, we'll see the same giants and the same results. We'll go years with the same giants and the same results. Your giant will be your kid's giant if you don't know how to handle it the way God wants you to handle it. Your issues will become the issues of your children and their children if you and I don't break the curse, break the cycle, break the pattern and say, God, I lift my hands to you, I lift my eyes to you, and I give you my focus, my worship. How can I fight this without even fighting? I got to put God in the middle of my life. This is the strangest battle formation in history. Ulysses S. Grant, so many leaders of war, they use the tactic of surprise to have the upper hand on the enemy. Yet God's army is singing and worshiping loudly and they're taking steps and they're singing and worshiping loudly. You see friends, typical army strategies is to have the element of surprise, you'll have the upper hand. But God's army comes from afar and you can hear them, you can feel them. They are lifting up praises and worship and every step they take, they know, that, yeah, I've got swords, but the real sword is in my mouth. Yeah, I got a, a shield, but the real shield is the, the shield in my heart that confesses who I'm rocking with. Imagine you're one of the other guys. And you're hearing them coming like, where are they even coming from? And they're just worshiping. This is kind of like my worship sound from like an army. You ready? What in the world? Jesus. Jesus. It's like, they're coming. And God right there confuses them. They start fighting each other. They start destroying one another. The worship is still happening. Jesus. Worshippers in the front, imagine they're, they're just so scared. They're like, I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm in the front. These guys die first. You play chess. The pawns go out first. You don't end the game with the pawn. You start the game, letting them out first. And God's got the worshipers in the front. This is how we're leaving this year, by the way. If you wonder, what's your stance? What's your position? What's God calling you to do? Jesus. Like, we're moving to, to this warehouse down the street on Michigan. We're, you know how we're walking in that place? Jesus. Just marching and marching. New birth, we're marching. New birth, we're on our way. New birth, we don't fight the way the world fights. Come on, we don't even respond to people on Instagram the way people want us to respond. You can't argue with me no more. Why? Because I am not a fighter, I'm a worshiper. And this is how I fight my battles. I give God the glory and the praise. 
I put him first. No element of surprise here. You're going to hear these bad, bu- these bad boys coming from a mile away. I was about to say bad bunny. You'll hear these bad boys coming from a mile away. No element of surprise with God's people. No, you're going to hear my people worship. I pray when we walk into this warehouse, people just driving by, and they start hearing the shouts of people going on in that room. Say, God is in that place. Shouting, screaming, violently worshiping Jesus. Here's my thing, that we, you and I have to come, we have to come to this understanding that when it's God's battle, it's all about God's strategy. We can't say, God, it's your battle, and then come up with our own strategy how to fight it. We got to go with God all the way. We can't call God the God of our family and not come alongside him with how to handle our family. Say, God, you're the God of our family, but I got my strategy. I'm going to raise these kids right. You're the God of my job. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up the strategy of how to do this. No. If we're going to fight God's wars with just our obedience, we must obey by his strategies. We must obey. It says the Lord set ambushes against them. He set ambushes against them. God is doing something in, not only in the, the camp of Judah. God is also in the camp of the enemy. He's doing, he's causing confusion. He is working on your behalf even when you don't see it, he's doing it. Even when you can't feel it, he's working it. You got to give him your trust because if you and I, we become control freaks, any control freaks in the room, I'll hold two hands up and a leg. I'm going to be the first to admit, I, I like to control things. It's, it's kind of, it's something wrong with me. But man, if we take this into our relationship with God, we're setting ourselves up for failure. They won the battle they never fought. Here's what's crazy. In the Bible, you know how they title this? So we just ran through the whole thing. We saw how literally God's people were just supposed to call, they're called to be obedient, just obey. When you read this in the Bible, you know how they title this portion of scripture? They say Jehoshaphat defeats Moab and Ammon. And you read it and you're like, they ain't do nothing. What? They didn't even break a sweat. All they did was obey God. How are you giving this victory to Jehoshaphat? He didn't even do nothing. He didn't hit nobody. I love what the Bible names that because here's the thing. Victory doesn't only come the way you and I know victory to come. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the gospel? That Jesus comes down to fight your victory and then he calls it your victory. That Jesus comes down and he gives you life, he gives you resurrection, he gives you grace, he gives you faith and mercy. And then he calls it your victory. He gives you victory and he says, you won the fight, but we, we both know who won the fight. But that's what happens, friends, when you and I are obedient and faithful to King Jesus. We end up leaving with victories that have our name on it when we knew it was God the entire time. And we knew it was being faithful and obedient. We knew, we knew, we, we know who was really fighting. It was Jesus Christ. And friends all over this room and watching online, the very real presence of God came to this earth in the form of a baby who grew up to be 
who we know to be Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you and as you. And he didn't just die for you, but he rose up on the third day. And anyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord, he is saved. And the spirit of God enters his heart. And that they would not have a life led by the flesh, but they would not have a life led by the spirit. And then Jesus calls it your victory. He calls you to stand up. He causes you to rise up. And he says, take your positions. Take your formation. Stand firm. My people, God is looking. He's like, if my people are going to get this win, they're not going to be hiding in tents. They need to stand in front. They need to stand in worship. Because they need to fear me more than they fear the enemy. How can a man stand in front of armies with nothing and just worship? Because instead of fearing man, they fear God more than their enemy. And before I act a way that's not pleasing my father, I'm going to obey him and respond in a way that will blow the world away. Joseph had trusted God. Joseph had sought the Lord in his crisis. And Jehoshaphat was given a victory, although all he did was simply obey two people I want to pray for this morning two people I want to pray for number one maybe you're here and you're like I want that victory that victory in salvation that I can never get to heaven with good works and perfect church attendance but I actually get to heaven when I receive Jesus in my heart and that's a victory that I did not get that's a victory that Jesus fought for but he calls it my victory first person I want to pray for in the room is maybe you want to say yes to Jesus this morning. Maybe you've been hearing the call and this is your moment to respond. And you're saying, Pastor, I, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want that victory. I want this life you're talking about. That I don't respond the typical way. I respond with fasting and prayer and worship and adoration to the Lord. If you're here in this room and you want to say yes to Jesus, come on, keep looking at me. This is the best decision you can ever make. I'm going to let you know. Saying yes to Jesus it's confirming your eternity. It's starting a relationship with God. It's starting steps of following Jesus, even in the middle of a pandemic. Isn't that a story to tell your children? That I dedicated my life to the Lord in one of the worst years in human history. And I love how they left the, the battle joyfully. I love how they returned home with a smile on their face. This is what salvation is. That we walk up to battles, but God fights them and we... We actually leave with joy. So all over this room, if you want Jesus, on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand up, unafraid, unashamed. We're just going to do this right here. If you want Jesus, Romans says, hey, to believe, to have faith, it's just, it comes with a prayer. Attaching that to a prayer and you are saved. So if you want Jesus on the count of three, raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. If you want Jesus in this place, raise your hand. Anybody want salvation? Anybody want Jesus? Okay. I want to make a second prayer. So two people I'm praying for. First with salvation. Secondly, for those who are in a battle right now. For our friends in the room that see a battle approaching. That you and I, we're going to pray for strength to lift our hands up. Strength to sing another song. Strength to have faith that God will deliver us. On the count of three, raise your hand 
If you just need a little bit more breath in your lungs, you need a little bit more song in your step, you need a little bit more faith in your walk so that we can see this victory through. If that's you, raise your hand. Ready? I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Oh, amazing. I see the hands going up everywhere. Hands going up everywhere. So amazing. Yeah, you can, you can thank God for people being honest and stepping out saying, I need help. Let me pray for you. All the hands that went up. God, we love you so much. We thank you because this victory is yours, yet you call it mine. This battle is yours, yet you ask for my help. You ask for my obedience. You ask God that, that I may not respond the way I know, but that I will respond the way you're telling me to. So God, I pray for all the hands that went up in this room, for people who are walking and they are in the battle, they're approaching one. God, remind them who they are before they're talented, before they're, they're, you know, they're successful, before they're any of those things. They are your children. This is your son. This is your daughter. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit leads us. I pray, God, that we walk in obedience and faithfulness to you. I pray, God, that we deny the flesh and that we take on the spirit and what he's leading us. God, so I, I pray for every hand who went up. God, you are soloing on them right now. Your light is shining on them. You're blessing them. You're giving them strength and you're healing us in the name of Jesus. Come on, we all said? Come on, church. Y'all here this morning and we all said?